Welcome to Oxford Adult ESL Conversation, hosted by Jamie Adelson Goldstein, co-author of the Oxford Picture Dictionary and series director of the new Step Forward Second Edition. In this episode, Jamie is joined by Lori Howard, an ESL consultant, teacher trainer, author, and program specialist for the Comprehensive Adult Student Assessment System, also known as CASAS. Listen in as Lori discusses integrated English literacy and civics education, which enables learners to acquire skills for English literacy, as well as skills that help them be effective workers, parents, and community members. Let's join them now. Lori, I'm so delighted that you were able to join me for an Oxford Adult ESL conversation. Well, I'm glad to be here, Jamie. And I'm really looking forward to this topic of EL civics integration because it is a topic that confuses me somewhat. I'm just wondering how long have you been involved with EL civics? I started in EL civics about 17 years ago, pretty much soon after the program started. So this is probably a good time for me to ask you for a definition. Integrated EL civics enables learners to acquire English language and literacy skills and also gain skills to be effective parents, workers, and community members. And that includes to be good citizens. And where are you getting that information from, Lori? From the grant itself. Okay, so that brings us to the grant. So I know that before WIOA, there was WIA. Right. And so WIA was the Workforce Investment Act. Right. What's WIOA? WIOA is the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act. Such nice words. (laughs) (laughs) So in the course of looking between WIOA and uh, from WIA to WIOA, what changes have you seen? Well, the difference really between the two grants and the newer grant uh, was authorized in 2014. And the WIOA grant is exactly the same in terms of English language and literacy skills and being effective parents, workers, and community members, but it adds an emphasis on workforce training. So the grant actually says that uh, integrated English language literacy and civics education may include workforce training. Oh, okay. So let me just ask this question, which of course is the one that's always on my mind. Where does citizenship training and where do U.S. history and U.S. government fit into the curriculum for integrated EL civics? It's part of the curriculum, uh, but it's a choice for students. So not everybody is ready to become a citizen so they can learn English and learn how to be community members and parents and workers. And then when they're ready, then they could take citizenship preparation, which would teach them the U.S. government and history that you're talking about and prepare them to take the USCIS interview and written test. So by the same token, when people may not be ready to be citizens, what if they're not ready to be workers? Or what if they already have a job? This integrated training might be a concern for teachers who are looking at their class and saying, I have other things I need to focus on. Well, the grant takes that into consideration in the final regulations. They actually referred to that and talked about that, that certainly students need English language and literacy education, and then whatever else they need in terms of preparation, then they could take that. So it's not required that workforce training be a part of it. If they already are gainfully employed, if they already have their citizenship, then they can just come to integrated EL civics classes to improve their English, to uh, get a better job or prepare for post-secondary education. So there's a lot of options for students and the federal government seems to not want to restrict by saying that students must participate in citizenship or must participate in workforce training. 
Okay. I think I'm getting a better picture now. Thank you. Sure. I know that we're primarily talking about California because that's your background, but I'm thinking that what we're going to be talking about in terms of civics objectives and projects would be applicable to other states as well. Is that right? Yes. I'm, California has a little bit of a different system than other states. We planned our system to include performance-based assessment because it's sort of a pay-for-performance system. So teachers would teach the civics education, and then students would be assessed in a performance-based way. So they would do a simulation, for example, of talking to a doctor or filling out an application for a job, using the internet safely, all of those kinds of objectives, and then they would be assessed on that. And so we have a set of civic objectives, 52 civic objectives, and hundreds of assessment plans that agencies in California work with. They are on our Yale Civics website that you can find at casas.org, and anyone is able to look at them and gain whatever they can from them, not only our civic objectives and additional assessment plans, but all of our resources on our EL Civics website. Oh, that sounds like a wonderful set of resources for anybody. Let's get to where the rubber meets the road and talk about what this looks like in the classroom, because I know you have some experience with amazing projects that have been done. I know that I heard you talking about the health objective with being able to talk to a doctor. That's curriculum that we've been handling for years and years. So we have textbooks that have a million doctor-patient conversations. So the teacher teaches the symptoms and the students pair up and they practice the conversation in the book and maybe they do a role play. So what changes with an integrated EL civics performance-based approach? Right. So what we do in California is we do that same instruction that you're talking about, perhaps focusing it a little bit more heavily on the actual interaction and role-playing that and practicing that rather than just relating to the book and repeating, we actually want to encourage them to to use their language. And so the performance-based assessment allows the teacher to see whether in a simulation type situation, the student could actually talk to a doctor. So one of the examples I like to use is from San Diego Community College District. The teacher teaches, for example, 10 illnesses and their symptoms. and But then on assessment day, someone, sometimes even in a white coat, is doing the assessment. It could be the teacher, calls the student to come up. The student sees four, let's say, index cards face down on the table. They pick one and it has an illness. And so the person portraying the doctor says, what's the matter? And the student looks at his card and says, oh, I have the flu. And then the, the doctor says, what are your symptoms? And then the student goes through the different systems, symptoms. So the student has learned 10 different illnesses and the symptoms associated with those. They know all those and the teacher taught those, but they're only asked to be assessed on one item. It makes it a little bit more realistic because we never know what illness we're going to get. So, <laughs> so. Right. And so if we've just practiced... I have the flu and we, in fact, uh, have broken our foot. <laughs> it's not quite as Exactly. <laughs> so it's for trying to simulate yeah. the outside world and get students to actually, you know, not read from a piece of paper, the dialogue, but to actually participate in an almost real life conversation, hoping that they, in real life, they will be able to do it. Oh, that's great. And that's such a simple concept. That, I mean, that's not a lot of prep at all. So are there rubrics and checklists on the casas.org site for this type of assessment? 
Yes, we have all of our what we call uh, civic objectives and additional assessment plans are all there. They include the tasks that the student needs to do and then the rubrics and the rating scales that go along with it. And just let me say that they are open to adjustment by each agency. What's online is a a plan, but then the actual agency decides, you know, what questions are asked and what the exact content is. So it's not an inflexible system. It's actually very flexible. Agencies can meet the needs of their particular students by changing the questions or changing the content of the task itself. I think that's terrific because it's constructivist. It gives the teachers agency. It makes it really needs-based versus something that comes down from on high that may or may not relate to a particular program. And in fact, our whole system is based on a community needs assessment. That's one of the requirements in California is to do a community needs assessment in each year in which uh, the majority of students in a school are assessed on you know, what they want to study, what would meet their needs. Oh, that's really sounding exciting to me. Could you list some of the, and maybe talk a little bit about some of the other projects that you've seen as a result of the civics objectives? Sure. Uh, some of the agencies have really done some creative things with with these objectives. One agency, Vista Adult School, did a talking with the police unit, and they had in a year-long program of instruction, as it turned out, which included a number of community meetings with the police. and. It turned out that there had been uh, three police-related shootings in the community that year, and so there was a lot of tension oh. in the community. And I think that's why they decided to to do this. And as it turned out, with after the instruction and the community meetings, they ended up having one of the students submitting an application to become a volunteer translator for the San Diego Sheriff's Department. Wow. Yeah. Several students scheduled appointments to report crimes, which they hadn't reported up until then. Uh, we, The school seemed to report that it was because of this instruction that they felt comfortable doing that. And then other students, you know, referred family members to the sheriff's department for reporting other things, et cetera. It was really effective in the community and students felt much more connected to and confident in the community where they where they live and work. And that was really the goal of the instruction. And it seemed to really help. Oh, that's fantastic. And certainly very, I think you said that was something that happened a while ago, but it's certainly something that has a lot of impact today. Sure. What about the Channel Islands project? That was really interesting too. I think it well grew out of a, one of our environmental uh, units or civic objectives. And the students lived in Ventura County. So it was Ventura Adult and Community Education. And they participated in a Channel Islands restoration. The Channel Islands are right off Ventura, and most people can't go to them. And I think the students got excited that they, if they participated in this program, they might be able to go. And so the uh, students, yeah, it was great. This, I'd really like to go on it. Uh, <laughs> me too. <laughs> the, the students planned this four-day trip to Santa Cruz Island, and they assisted in uh, the Channel Islands restoration program. I think two different classes got together. I don't think everybody went, but they got together to plan all aspects of the trip, the travel, the lodging, the clothing and equipment. I think they had to bring food as well to cook. And so they assigned jobs to everyone. And it was really a team effort by the students. I think, you know, the teacher was there to help, but it was totally run by the students, which gave them so much experience in leadership skills, et cetera. They researched on the internet uh, and they made sure everything was ready. 
And then when they came back, they gave presentations to other classes about it, and they even got interviewed by a local newspaper. So they had a lot of great experiences surrounding this environmental unit. I think that it really points out the connection to project-based learning and performance-based assessment, that they go together very well. And I'm seeing, I'm sure you are as well, all the connections to college and career readiness. Totally. You know, when students are researching on the internet, when they're working with being trained but for workplace skills, they're using complex text and academic vocabulary. So, they're, and they're encountering things that, that don't come out of a textbook uh, necessarily. And so, it certainly relates to the college and career readiness standards ideas of, you know, offering complex text and a- academic vocabulary, having students read authentic materials. And they need to do that in order to do this kind of research on the environmental project. Is there something that you know of, a project that you know of, that was maybe a little less grandiose? Because I love the Channel Islands, but I'm just envisioning someone who's landlocked. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So that was a special project and had to do with the environment that the students were in. One of the very early projects that at first I wasn't so sure of, actually, it then came to love it, was was an intercultural communication project done by Anderson Adult School in Northern California. They had a lot of Latina women in the class who didn't have a lot of good English skills, and they started talking about exchanging ideas and exchanging, uh, actually, recipes for salsa. And they they ended up writing down all these recipes for salsa and making a cookbook with the help of the teacher and even some community members who did community work and photography for it. They made this beautiful cookbook. And that led, interestingly, to not only planning to you know, sell the book, but to offer tastings at the local community farmer's market. They encountered the public there. They had to learn the English that helped them encounter the public. And they ended up teaching some classes in how to make salsa. So they became the teacher rather than the student. And it really changed their stature in the community that now they were teaching the other community members about how to make salsa. It also just led for a lot of opportunities for them to, you know, arrange transportation, collect money, do all those leadership type skills. And it really empowered them in their communities. It was just a great project. Oh, it sounds wonderful. Is there any place to see photos? I'm hoping you're going to say casas.org. At casas.org. Actually, these were all projects that were awarded the Making a Difference Award. We we unfortunately don't give that award anymore, but was allowed us to gather these great projects from all around the state and award the agencies, of course, but also put these great ideas online. So if you look up Making a Difference Award on the Eel Civics website, you'll see I think about 10 years of awarded programs that that might be inspiring to people teaching integrated EL civics around the country. That's really an exciting opportunity for us because so much of the time we don't have time. And so if we can find resources and be launched into something like this and see the thing that really appeals to me about the salsa or anything that would be intercultural in that way is that we're starting from the students as the resource. And that I think would be very useful, specifically at beginning levels. I, of course, would love to do the Channel <laughs> Islands. I'm still, I'm still there. Well, and you can understand that how empowering it be for the students to learn the English or how, how important it would be for the student to learn the English needed to teach the class it, or teach someone how to make salsa, to offer tastings, to sell their book all of the language needed to do those things. And they would be very invested in doing it because they're invested in the project. So 
it's just such a great way to meet the needs of the students in terms of the language they need to communicate. And I've actually heard of YouTube videos of learners teaching skills that they have to others. So this salsa, now we could add the digital literacy element to it, and they could be recorded even on smartphones doing some of this, which would be amazing. Well, certainly digital literacy has has come so far, and we, it's really an important aspect of teaching our students as well and sharing this information. And speaking of sharing, we've come towards the end of our conversation, but I'm wondering if there's one thing you could have the listeners take away from what we've been talking about within integrated EL civics. What would that be? Well, I think just that it's really important to meet the needs of, of our students. And when we do that, our instruction becomes very meaningful and students want to come to class, they want to learn, and they want to do more in their lives. So it's the opposite of a vicious cycle. It's a glorious cycle. <laughs> totally. Well, that's a great takeaway. And, and thank you so much, Lori. It's been a pleasure having an Oxford adult ESL conversation with you. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for allowing me to participate in it. We love what you do and want to support you in every step of the way. For more useful resources to support your teaching, including sample lessons from Step Forward 2nd Edition and the Oxford Picture Dictionary, visit us at oup.com slash ELT slash loveadultesl. That's oup slash ELT slash loveadultesl. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Oxford Adult ESL Conversations.